I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome, 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 everyone, to the Playing Footsie podcast. Uh, each week, we're here to talk about stocks of the week. Uh, and oh my God, has there been a lot happened this week. This this week feels like there is absolutely a ridiculous amount of news. So we are going to get through as much of it as we can as, as possible. I've got Steve W. And Steve D, D with me as uh, as we do every week. Guys, how have you been doing this week? And what's it like in the stock market? Doing all right, Paul. Market's mainly sort of chopping sideways at the moment. I think that's the product of some kind of Fed uncertainty. So I looked at the chart for the S&P before we came on. Uh, it's plus 4% this week, minus 4% this month. So, yeah, there's quite a bit of volatility around, but the general movement is things trying to work out whether they're going up or down, I think, uh, and mainly moving sideways for the time being. My portfolio's been broadly similar. Kind of goes up when the markets go up, goes down when the markets go down, so on so forth. Um, away from my own portfolio, I was really pleased this week. Uh, I saw a video from friend of the show, Casper. He's over at Casper Invest, if you want to go and check out his channel. First one he's had in a little while, and he seems to be doing really well. Uh, it's nice to see him back. His portfolio's looking in good shape. Uh, he's got some stocks that I like. He's got some stocks that I like a bit less. But where he's at <laughs> in his kind of life and investing and stuff, it's just really important to be in stuff at this stage. Like The further back you are in your investing, and he's quite a bit younger than we are, uh, the more important it is to just be in sort of some stocks. Uh, the ones you're in become more important as you kind of get closer to retirement and thinking about those sort of things. But uh, I don't think he's planning on retiring in the next 10 years, though I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, nice to see Casper uh, back around. So he's not just answering questions for games that I've set up. He's got his channel back up and running. Go check him out at Casper Invests. And Casper, if you want me to say that again, that'll be 50 quid. <laughs> We'll pop, we'll pop you a rate card in the Discord, Casper. I suppose while we're, while we're on the subject of Casper, we better thank him because this week he actually made a donation as well. And um, as did Very Angela nice. and Dave C. So um, thank you for um, thank you for doing that, everybody. It's actually our 53rd episode today. So we're officially, um, well, just a little bit over a year old. We sort of forgot last week, um, which is kind of embarrassing. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, my portfolio um, is doing pretty well because um, growth is bounced back a little bit over the last few days. My portfolio has bounced up about 5.5%, which is really nice to see. Um, I am still um, under a wall of red, and uh, some of my stocks are still down about 40%, but um, Google uh, Google is dragging me out of that red today, so we'll, uh, we'll see, but um, we'll probably get onto that a bit later. Paul, how's your week been? Uh, well, the question I want to ask you guys just off the cuff here is, is the dip over? Because this week I've been really annoyed because I, I kind of I looked at it and I went, oh, it's dropped a little bit. Is the correction over now and all the stocks are coming back or what? Come on, let's let's hear it. What's your prediction? Well, uh, no, I don't think it is. I think you'll see more <laughs> of a dip this year than you saw. At some point this year, you will see more of a dip than you've seen so far. Uh, so I think stocks will make new lows at some point this year. I don't know when that point is. It depends on various things getting announced, but... Uh, I'm going to go with no, on nearly no justification at all. Steve? 
Uh, I was going to go with the same <laughs> answer, just mainly because um, I saw quite a lot of the small caps have gone up 20-25% um, this week. They've actually fallen back about 10 or 11% today, uh, most of the sort of high-growth um, small cap techs. So at the moment, it's very difficult to say that the dip's over. We've had some very strong earnings from a lot of companies, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're done just yet. Interesting, interesting. So you're both taking the meet Kevin approach of having absolutely no idea what you're talking about, but also predicting uh, a, a further crash. Probably something to do with March Fed ri rate rises or yeah, something yeah, like we'll, that. You we'll might, cause the comments see. and this video will be called We Quit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, my, I mean, mine's done well. I'm pretty much back up to where I started now uh, after after the dip, and I did put a little bit into certain stocks. But, oh, there's a couple of stocks, which I'm sure we'll talk about later because earnings week has just been mental, hasn't it, um, that I either missed or didn't put enough money back into. Uh, I, I follow a pretty strict deposit schedule, uh, and I just don't feel like I should deviate from it. Um and I'm trying to because I think I think and you probably guys you guys probably think something similar that uh, discipline is really important in the market and I'm trying to teach myself that first and foremost trying to trying to edit myself from a fundamental level before I get all excited and I think that's done me quite well so far but um, I, I think there's still a lot more training to go that's what I get when from when I've read all the books and things that uh, teaching yourself to invest in a disciplined way from a fundamental level is far more important than actually picking the correct stock. So there's something I'm sort of working on at the moment. Um, but yeah, it feels it feels all right. I feel steady. I didn't get worried at all during that correction, and I'm gutted that it's actually gone back up so quickly. So uh, I'm hoping for another dip. I'm hoping for more of a correction, and I can see the stocks I want to put some money in if it does get a little bit worse in in the market. So ultimately, I'm surprised at myself uh, for having that level of discipline and and uh, how how sort of stoic I feel about it. Is that the right word? Is that the right use of the term stoic there? Philosophy. Yeah, perfect. Ah, <laughs> oh, lovely. That's that's good then. Um, Okay, so this uh, episode of the Playing Footsie podcast, we've got a lot to talk about today. Obviously, earnings week, so lots of earnings to come. We've got a little game that we're going to get through and uh, some news and maybe maybe a few things that we're going to discuss today because we might not have the same viewpoint about everything that's happened this month. Um, so, Steve W., uh, first of all, we need to hear from our sponsors. Mm, we do. Uh, just a quick bit on Stoic philosophy, actually, since you've set me up for it. Uh, so it's one of the less known Stoic sayings that um, one of the things they like to do uh, sort of once every month towards the end of the kind of calendar month was um, basically shut their eyes and heave all their money into PayPal. Um, so uh, that's <laughs> pretty much perfect for your idea of what you're planning on doing with your asset Call me a Stoic now. philosopher. <laughs> 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 Yeah, Aristotle himself wrote that on some um, on, on a stone somewhere. Thy thou thy shalt smash into PayPal when it drip, do, <laughs> drops twenty five percent. There you go. Hmm. Come on, read that advert. I want to hear what's going on this week. Cool. Our show is sponsored by Genuine Impact. Uh, so if, like me, the first thing you think about when you read about the possibility of a Russian invasion of Ukraine is, I wonder what that will do to the gas prices. You might like Genuine Impact. <laughs> Uh, Genuine Impact is an app to help make your investing life easier. 
Uh, they have lots and lots of data points on various companies and you can read, compare and assess pretty quickly. As well as the obvious stuff like financial strength, earnings growth and stock price movements, they have some really interesting ways of organising stocks around investing themes and ranking them. So if you're like me and you basically want to be like Warren Buffett, there's a category called Invest Like Buffett. Uh, there isn't a category called Invest Like Briscoe, not yet anyway, uh, but if you like that kind of thing, there's a Dividend Champions category for you. And if you're like Steve and you have a one-track mind for those ESG stats, uh, you can sort stocks by their ESG credentials. It's not just a numbers <laughs> thing either. Uh, they have stuff you can read from Fidelity and Janus Henderson and BlackRock and other kind of serious people so you can get to know what you own. Uh, and you don't need to feel like you're just scanning through loads of data points and making decisions off of that. There's some really good qualitative stuff there too. That's Genuine Impact. Link in description. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Uh, interesting you spoke about gas prices just then because I don't know if you both have had a, just a notification just then saying mm -hmm. that uh, gas prices has gone up 11% based on uh, there must be some snow in California and Texas again maybe somewhere. Uh, and the market's very, very scared of a freeze over again uh, and what it does to uh, natural gas prices. So, ah, interesting. Very, very interesting. Okay, what we got for a game this week? We love to play a game. Games with me this week. So last week we were talking about Tesla a little bit and I said uh, that the JP Morgan analysts who had a relatively low sort of number on them that was about 70% lower than their current share price, that still implied a, a market cap sort of bigger than quite a few of the car companies that you've heard of combined and that was a sort of fairly positive thing. So that got me thinking for a new game. This is a version of who's got the biggest market cap edition. This is a game called Is Your Market Cap Bigger Than Tesla? Uh, you pick a number between 1 and 12. I will read out a bunch of companies for you. Uh, and you just have to tell me whether uh, if you add up all their market caps, they're bigger than Tesla or not. Love it. Uh, love it. Tesla's Gosh, current it. market cap, by the way, not the bearish JP Morgan thingy. Um, what is Tesla's okay, current market cap? <laughs> is it going to be 600 billion at the moment? It's no, it's, it's 910 billion at the moment. Um, oh, uh, and I've updated this since yesterday uh, when it was 940. Um, so it's actually kind of come off a little bit since then. But... Um, 910 when I looked five minutes before the show started. Um, oh, and Tesla's uh, nearly a trillion. What? It was, it a, was trillion, a trillion, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a trillion. Yeah, I, I do remember that now you talk it now now you put that into Oh my god. Alright. <laughs> anyway, I've got numbers one to twelve. Uh, they correspond pretty roughly, but uh, you know, with some resemblance to the uh, GIX sector classification. So one of these numbers is tech and one of these numbers is consumer staples, so on and so forth. Uh, pick a number and I'll tell you some stuff and you tell me whether it adds up to a bigger market cap than Tesla or not. This I'll is going to be go so ahead. hard. I can already I'll let Paul see. go first because then he has yeah, to go first the number eight. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, number one. Number one. Okay, uh, your category is energy, Paul. Um, here are some companies for you. Oil Major Chevron, Oil Major Total, Oil Major BP, Oil Major Shell, Oil Major ExxonMobil, Oil Major Coconut Phillips. Um, what do you reckon? If we add up all their market caps, are they bigger than Tesla or not? Yeah, it's got to be. Some of them are like 300 billion companies they are. Aren't they? Mm -hmm. uh, are they? Well, yeah, that's what you're talking about. And and I also heard Sa I also heard Saudi Aramco in there as well, but <laughs> that brings it down quite considerably now. Um, no, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say Steve. Steve D's shaking his head no, but I'm going to say yeah. Well, one of you's correct, and it's Paul. Uh, you're yeah. correct, Paul. Steve, very good. 
There we go. Look at those sound effects going. Um, yeah, <laughs> these have a collective market cap of about 1.1 trillion, just over. Um, all right, so not, so not as far as more than Tesla, but you could yeah. have almost pretty much all the oil in the world or, or Tesla. Mad. Uh, well, mad. I uh, I only got to about halfway, so I'm going to be really bad at this game. <laughs> <laughs> what number would you uh, like, Steve? You can do this lucky, bit. Lucky number seven. I knew you'd pick lucky number seven. Um, there are only 11 gig sectors, so here is the wild card uh, for you. Perfect. If you add up these, do you get a bigger market cap than Tesla or not? Uh, Alibaba and Tencent. Ooh. Oh, and that's all. Well, Alibaba's worth about two and a half billion at the moment, isn't it? So, um, Tencent's <laughs> worth about. Oh, that's a very good question because I don't actually know what Tencent's market cap is at the moment either. I think this is mega close. I would I say. Think, I think. Mega close. I think. I'm going to go not. I think it's under by a little bit. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. You are incorrect. Oh. I also got my arm trapped in my uh, headphone wire there as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Even more interesting. Um, part thinking. of what you said was right there, Steve. It was a little bit. These have a market cap of 930 billion rather than 910. Oh, Who's the bigger one there? Because I thought. Do you know? Uh, can you guess? I uh, thought Alibaba was the smaller one, but I'm probably wrong there. Oh, you're yeah. right. It's Alibaba's smaller by quite a bit. 333. Yeah, it's like 300, 300 billion, isn't it? Yeah, it's 300 yeah. billion and then 10 cents. 10 cents about 600. Cent yeah. yeah, that's fair enough. That's good. Uh, okay, um, another number then, Paul. Uh, number two. I'm going to try okay. and count upwards. <laughs> Block him off, Steve. Okay, number two for Paul. Uh, this is consumer discretionary or sometimes called consumer cyclical, but I think the official name is discretionary Great. here. Uh, you can have these or Tesla. Which one's bigger? Uh, Nike and Starbucks and Mercado Libre and McDonald's and Airbnb and Polaris and NVR. And that's the end. Oh, that's a, that's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. So the biggest market cap in there has got to be about 150 billion. Is Nike still like 90-something? So... And NVR is going to be worth like what five hundred million now, something like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go. No, I think that's quite quite considerably under. Uh, NVR is about five hundred million a share for what it's worth, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but there are only two shares. No, um, uh, you are correct. It's considerably under. Ah, Very good, lovely. Paul. The uh -oh. sum total of those is 705. Um, the largest of them is about 230 billion, by the way, which is not. Oh, right, okay. Um, but Mercado yeah. oh, right. Libra small. might be smaller than you thought it was. Mercado uh, hmm. Libra is only 55 or so. No, I had McDonald's at about 150. Is that right, right or not? 180, but yeah. The right sort yeah. of area. Yeah. I mean, this is that was, starting to get respectable, I, I guess, the in these market cap things. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought that was the biggest, but yeah, Nike's by far, isn't it? Oh, well. All right. Uh, number, Steve. Let's work together, Paul. Eight. Eight. Okay. <laughs> Eight is the utilities sector, Steve. Okay. Um, so mm. you can have the following utilities if you'd like. You can have Next Era, uh, which we like, and Duke, and Dominion, and Southern Company, and Exelon, and Sempra, and the big one, National Grid. <laughs> yeah, I think we're quite 
we're quite a bit under there. I think we might even be about halfway in if my maths is right. Mm. I was going oh. the opposite. I thought we were over, but I have no idea. I'm say. doing quick maths as we're counting here. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know what next year's oh, yeah. mic cap is. About 190 billion, is it? Something like that? Is it? Don't know, it's dropped a Where's lot recently. You sticking with under, Steve, here or? Under, yet? Yeah. Under is correct. Woo! You're also right that it's about halfway. Uh, so it's 522 wow. for all that lot. Uh, next era, the biggest at about 150, and that's about twice the size of its next nearest, which is Duke. Uh, I was at 480. That was my guess. Mm. Not that's bad. A little bit shy, good. but not bad. That's good. That was good. Okay, Paul, are you having three? Uh, number three, yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Try this one. This is my favourite, Paul. Mainly just because I like this type of company. It's industrial. Mm. So uh, we can have a company you like, Raytheon. Uh, company I think most of us like, uh, Caterpillar. Steve's favourite, Waste Management. Um, Honeywell, Union Pacific, Landstar System, General Dynamics, and Ryanair. Waste Management. And Ryanair. <laughs> I thought I'd try and put a FTSE one in most of them, and I've, I thought I'd try Ryanair as the UK. <laughs> well, not UK, FTSE listed airline. I think yeah, it might be delisted off of FTSE now, but... Yeah, I was going to say, it's what? It's you can have the list like again if you like, three... because that's quite long. Yeah, it was... A, see, that's it. You, you've listed off quite a few sort of hundred-ish billion companies, as far as I could tell there. And Ryanair. how long was the list? Uh, three, six. There was eight things in total. So you're not even getting to nine hundred there, if if you're assuming they're all around a hundred billion. I can't can't think what L three. They're not Harris all around a hundred billion. I I can tell you for the moment. Not. Uh, so just to be clear, I didn't say L three Harris. Um, I said Landstar, no, which <laughs> might be what you're um. thinking of. Uh, <laughs> so Ryan is not a hundred billion dollar company. No, no, no of course. Spoiling no. much by telling uh, you that. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it makes it. I, I thought it was an average of around a hundred billion there times eight. I don't think it makes it. I think that's a reasonable way to think about things. You're correct. Yeah, it's actually yeah. just short seven hundred because uh, Landstar is only about five billion as well. I had a quick Google then of Raytheon because I thought it's about 100 billion. If that's the, I think that's the biggest. So it is um, about 100 billion, a... right? Uh, it's All right, it's gone. Much, uh, Honeywell's bigger though, that. 139. Of oh, yeah. course, it is. Um, I didn't even uh, hear. Okay, it's like nine. Okay, Steve, um, have yourself some real estate. Okay. Uh, have have your choice of the real estate. Here's what I consider to be the class of the real estate sector for you. Uh, Prologis, American Tower, Invitation Homes, Crown Castle, uh, Innovative Industrial Cannabis Growers, uh, Well Tower, <laughs> Avalon Bay, and Realty Income. Just while you think about that, I would point out that this, owning all those companies would set financial uh, enthusiasts with REITs Casper up for life. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're quite under again. I think we're about only three quarters of the way there in I, my head. I'm starting to see a theme. I'm starting to see, see a point being made, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we're you I think, think, I think about we're three quarters of the way, Steve. Yeah. Uh, you are correct on under. 
Um, we're actually not even halfway. Um, we're at 430 yeah. billion here. Wow. So you I could have more really twice know, over if you wanted. I didn't know three That's and four, insane. so I went 60 and 60, and then when I added all the others on, I was like, we're miles <laughs> off. <laughs> Invitation Homes in Crown Castle. We'll yeah. With three and four. Yeah, so what are they? 24 and 74. So they're not a million miles off. You're sort of more mm. 50 and 50 than 60 and 60, but yeah. Mm. Number four? Is this number four, mine? All these okay. numbers have gone number through four. my head. Uh, okay, stuff that comes out of mines, Paul. It's the materials sector. Um, Ooh. Uh, BHP that mines, I think, iron ore mainly, but also some coal and some copper and stuff, and maybe some nickel or something like that. Uh, Rio Tinto, you know what they mine. Freeport McMoran, who are a copper mining company whose stock's done quite well lately. Barrick, um, who is Lady Gaga's backing musician, I think, but also a gold mining company. Um, Franco Nevada, Albemarle, Nucor, and WD40. <laughs> What's WD40 mine? Uh, yeah, sorry, it's more materials than mining, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm going to go They're with long no. Time for the I materials sector. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with no. I think that's under, but it's mainly because I don't know the market cap of most of them. I think halfway uh, yeah. A um, little bit more than halfway, about 500 in total, but yep, well yeah, under. I yeah. I sh- honestly, I struggle to find enough <laughs> material. What? There we go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I struggle to find enough materials companies with big enough market caps to even add the whole sector up and get to Tesla's market cap, to be honest with you, because they start getting a lot smaller. Mm. Uh, Steve? Uh, well, I'll take 10 then. All right, here comes number 10. Communications companies, Steve, or the sector known as communications. This sort of covers a fairly broad array of things, but see how you go with these. You could have Disney and Netflix and AT&T and T-Mobile and Verizon. So you could pretty much have all the 5G stuff plus Disney and Netflix. <sighs> Tempt you with that as bigger uh... than Tesla? I reckon that's pretty close. Mm. But I, uh, I don't think you've put enough people, uh, enough companies in there to make that over the over the mark. But I think, Steve, if I was to say we're within fifty billion, um, am I, is that am I right? I think we're just under. Well, there's. Um, I can't tell you live. I can tell you how it was like yesterday when I looked it up. Um, okay. And no, you would not be within fifty billion. Okay, well, I'm still going to go... would, however, be within 62 billion. Well, I'm going to go under them. <laughs> uh, then you're going to be wrong, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow, that's surprising. That lot yesterday added up to uh, 971 billion. I mean, but Disney and Netflix mm. and AT&T and T-Mobile and Verizon, you'd have that mad. lot, wouldn't you, over, over Tesla? Absolutely. Like all of them? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely mad, isn't it? I got absolutely to 900 mad. billion on my sheet. Uh, wow. Um, you, wow, wow, wow. I don't know what you left out from there. All of those have bigger, big-ish market caps. That's a well-diversified portfolio, that is. I mean, it's mostly the, in communications, the, that. Yeah, no, no, I know you're talking, but you've got... You've got the theme park yeah. side of Disney there. You've got the communications. Side. You've got you've got your dividend to growth as well, and you know you've, you've got a lot of diversity oh. there. Even though, yes, you're right, it's all in communication. How big is T-Mobile and Verizon? Uh, one three one and two twenty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not there. I lost it. It must be somewhere else. So I mean, you could have any four of those if you wanted for less than Tesla. 
Um, your enough. choice of them, you can leave behind, I don't know, whatever one you don't want, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, number five then. What's next? Okay, number five. Uh, staples. So... Oh. Under staples yeah. is tiny. Yeah. Just, yeah that's right. Awesome. <laughs> you got, uh, well, you got, see uh, how you get on with these. Uh, Coke, Unilever, Colgate Palmolive, uh, Bum Cleaning Company, Beyond Meat, Kellogg's, Estee Lauder, and Costco. Oh, Costco's right in there, isn't it? Uh, they're not all as big as Costco, though. They're not all anywhere nope. near as big as Costco. So, I think no. There's a lot of companies in there, but I think no. You think under? Yeah, under. Under is correct. What? Ooh. Just about. Um, <laughs> 50 billion Stevie's under. angry face there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought, yeah, you're going to get... I thought 700-ish, but no, yeah, you're right. 860. Case, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess I, one thing I'm kind of thinking when I was trying to work this out is it's kind of implicit then that Tesla's going to produce more than all these companies put together over the next, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years, however long you think you're investing in them for, uh, if that's the way you mm -hmm. think about your investing, which is interesting. I don't know whether it's right or wrong or not, but... Yeah, it's interesting that you put it to the energy sector because that, let's, let's face it, it's, it's got to... Let's say it gets half the automobiles, half the automobiles in the world. So uh, I bet you've got the automobile question coming up in a minute, actually. <laughs> no, you probably don't because it's that's very easy. Sector, it's bigger, that's industrial. It's, yeah. it's big, bigger than the top eight, isn't it? Um, if you... So if you assume that, then and you assume that it's not more, more, than, a, more than a car company and it's an energy company, then it has to have m more than... All of the energy companies, the big energy companies that exist right now, it has to produce more energy than all of those on its own. And there's going to be no competition. There's going to be no... Uh, it's just... It's insane, right? That's that's insane. FSD, yeah, so is it uh, that good, I suppose? Software uh, margins is the right? thing, of course. Uh, Steve, yeah. I assume you're having 11? Yes, please. Have some financials, then. Um... You can have Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and Goldman Sachs. Mm. Bigger or lower than Tesla? <laughs> oh, I don't know how big any of them are. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. But my quick maths gets it very close. Enough to say, I think it's probably... depend. I think American Express is going to throw me, but I think it's under... I think it's over. All is correct. Oh. <laughs> it's a visa. Mm. Visa's got to be like what fifth in fifth in line now, or maybe it's tenth actually. So that's uh, where it is. But it's four hundred and thirty of them. It's doing a lot of the lifting yeah. by itself. Mastercard is yeah, just under three fifty. Uh, American Express is one hundred and thirty-five. Goldman Sachs is one hundred and fifteen. Rounding. Yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was what? so far out. <laughs> I was out. <laughs> I was out fifty percent on Visa and Mastercard. Once you had Visa um, in there, Visa's got to be in the top ten. It is definitely in the top ten, but it could be in the top five. No, it can't be in the top five, can it? Because Tesla's number six. So yeah, it's, it's in the top, top five. ten. No. Uh, yeah. Okay, Paul. Do you want six what, to finish with? 
We'll have number six to finish with, please, Steve. Paul's on five out of five so far. See how you go with these, Paul. You've, you've picked healthcare. Um, you had <sighs> but known it. Here come some healthcare companies. Add them up and see if you get to more than uh, 910 billion. Uh, we'll start off in Switzerland with Novartis. And then we'll add in Merck. And then we'll add in Bristol Myers Squibb. And then we'll add in Medtronic. And then we'll add in Intuitive Surgical. And then we'll add in Illumina. Uh, and then we'll add in Viva, which is sort of a tech company, but uh, they got lumped under healthcare when I was looking them up. And you can also have Teladoc. Uh. Well, there's 50p for Teladoc. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that helps, Paul. You, you only put in one, maybe two really big companies there. Uh, no. It depends what you think is really big. I thought Novartis, yeah. Merck, and Bristol Myers were all really big. Yeah, there's um, seven hundred companies in that list, though, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> but it, but he's he's thrown it. He's thrown in four tiny ones uh, on the side to make it feel like there's there is four four tiny ones in there, surely. Uh, but it's whether the three big ones make it up because I I was waiting for you to say something like Johnson and Johnson and just go okay yep yeah, definitely because the others will make it up. Merck yeah, that's is why Johnson Johnson's that. not in there. Yeah, Merck Merck is close to that for me. So I'm going to say no because I think there's four tiny ones in there which which are designed to bring it down. Bring bring. Out of interest. Uh, what are you thinking? Sort of tiny is here. I mean, you're right that. You know, there's four that are smaller than the others because they don't have the same market cap. But um, yeah. what, what are you thinking for tiny ones? Intuitive surgical? Where do you have that roughly? I was thinking between 10 and 30. Oh, that was I think I was intuitive going. surgical is about 100 billion, isn't it? Yeah, it intuitive surgical is yeah. 100. Um, yeah. yeah, okay. Novartis I mean, it's smaller than Medtronic. Sorry? Uh, yeah. Novartis is about 200 billion, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. Mark. Uh, ah, that's, uh, where, that's is... where the problem was. Teladoc's oh, 15. was correct, though. Uh, they are all under. Yeah, that's a crazy. Well, I thought Merck was bigger than half that. of that, but um, yeah, yeah. Intuitive Surgical's about a hundred. Lumina's about fifty. Viva's about thirty-five, and Teladoc's about almost twelve or so. Uh, well, probably less now. Actually, to be honest, there's nothing yeah. left of it. No, it's, it's had um, a recovery. Teladoc's have had a, had a bit of a recovery. No, it hasn't. Has it not? gone down again Whoops. today. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, so I'll tell you right, then to finish us off. Let's finish with tech then, shall we? Um, Here we go. This is see me. how you go with these. Feel badly, uh, I can do. Big chip manufacturing thing, ASML. Uh, I think you like all of these, actually. I didn't mean, necessarily mean for you to have these. Oh, God. Uh, actually, I've realised. Um, Steve, this was rec- uh, logged yesterday uh, before a bunch of market movements. That might okay. give you a clue here. Uh, but ASML, <laughs> Adobe. You like Adobe. Salesforce, you like Salesforce, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, AMD and PayPal, as was. <laughs> so, so I've got to add 25% to what PayPal is. Uh, <laughs> so I get 270, uh, 374, 50, 550, 750, 850, 890. Bollocks, that's really close. Yeah, you've got, you've got a couple of billion there. Fuck it, I've already Plus, lost. Minus. I'm going to draw. <laughs> You're going to draw? Yeah. Is that not option? to draw, Steve. You'll be amazed to hear. <laughs> um, as of yesterday, they were over. I'm just going to try and update my PayPal thing and see if uh, that changes anything. 30 billion anything. wiped off the share price, I think. Yeah, it doesn't quite um, because Tesla's also come down a bit today. And uh, Tesla's probably lost about 30 billion, to be honest. 
uh, as well, which mm. means they are still bigger. Um, but yeah, the, that lot is marginally more expensive than all of Tesla. <laughs> well done, Paul. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Right, we're going to move on quite quickly because that, you know, we've been we've been in that game uh, quite a long time. Welcome to everybody who's just skipped over the game and now got into the meaty part of the podcast. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. We should minutes. watch the game. Naughty, 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 <laughs> naughty. Um, right, today we have basically earnings week. It's earnings weeks, and there's been a few deals made. Where do you want to start, guys? We've got Sony, we've got Google, we've got earnings to do. What do you want to do first? Let's quickly touch on um, Sony, uh, obviously in their war with Microsoft uh, over um, over publishing rights, has uh, bought uh, a game developer called Bungie. Now, I'm not sure if too many people will know that name who haven't played any kind of games or, or any games growing up, but uh, they uh, were the originators of the Halo franchise. They're quite a storied game developer. They're about 30-odd years old. Um, they're very well regarded in terms of like first-person shooters. They are the cream of the crop. They make the best games. It's uh, it's pretty much uh, undeniable. Um, the price will be quite um, exciting to people. I think they're they're buying them for three point six billion dollars. There's about three hundred million uh, revenues. Um, that is on a on a game that is uh, the best part of five years old. So to still have three hundred million in revenue from it is in pretty incredible. Um, there's new content out soon for it, which should mean a, a nice spike in sales. And um, there's uh, also a new IP in development and a mobile game in development with Tencent as well. So um, I'm a big Bungie fan. I've been a big Bungie fan ever since I was a kid. Uh, I've got about 2,000 hours logged into um, one of Bungie's latest games, which has sapped my life away for um, a long period of time. I think this is an <laughs> excellent move. Um, Sony is, um, have, have said that they can stay independent. Sony isn't going to kick the management team out and, uh, and install a new management team. So Bungie will continue, continue to be pretty much an independent subsidiary of, um, of SIE. So I think it's an excellent move. I think Bungie think it's an excellent move. I think Sony think it's an excellent move. And I think it makes Microsoft Activision deal look very, very overpriced. Mm. Yeah, kind of agree. Uh, your game that you've been playing, Destiny? Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah. Or is it? Oh, is it Destiny? Okay, cool. Yeah, Destiny's the one I don't get because it's the one I've never played. So I, I haven't, I haven't understood it. But as far as I can tell, it's one of the, the, the best games out there, right? And they've got Destiny Two coming, or is that already Destiny 2's out? Destiny Two's out. Yeah, I think Destiny Two did yeah. about thirty-eight million copies as well, which is, which is pretty good on a headline value. So yeah. Um, so yeah. And again, it's one of them ones where they've got lots of add-on downloadable content as well so and that's the important thing from the activision deal isn't it the add-on content that it generates i know we've used uh figures and stuff from scott galloway on the uh discord and uh, it it was very sketchy on whether whether that was accurate or not but these these companies and their downloadable content just keep the revenue churning don't they they they, you know they're creating ridiculous figures every single day the activision deal i agree what 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 a buy 3.9 billion or something it was 3.6 billion 3.6 and um yeah and activision's like 79 billion i think though and it was immediately when, because I didn't see it when you guys you guys mentioned it, and I was like, oh, okay, let's have a look. But I immediately went, ooh, this adds a lot more legitimacy to the Activision deal, because the problem with the Activision deal, and yeah, we'll get onto my side of it, and I'll let you talk about your side in a second. But the Activision deal, uh, the reason why it's not 
uh, priced to the market cap it should be. It should be about nine, uh, should be 70 something billion. I think it's sitting about 61, 60 billion at the moment. Uh, so there's still a, a 15 to, I can't remember the actual figure it is that what the possible upside could be here. But the problem with it is that it might not go through because the antitrust and whatever her name is, Lena, what's her face? Uh, I'm sure you can do a bit about on her, a bit, uh, a bit on her in a minute. Um, she's like sort of gunning for big tech at the moment. And then you've got, but now you've got Bungie, uh, Sony buying Bungie. So it's the same move. It creates, I think it creates more certainty on the side of the Activision deal. I think it, if Sony are doing it, then America needs to keep up. And that's what's kind of happening here, which is why I bought about 500 quid of Activision. I did have my eye on Activision prior to the uh, Microsoft bit deal, but I was sort of struggling with the titles. I was thinking that some of the titles in there are a bit old and outdated, but that was my own qualitative uh, sort of sort of idea of it and i didn't know how biased i was being just based on the fact that i thought the games were old and i thought oh why would i ever buy the latest call of duty when i preferred modern warfare 2 to whatever's come out now and i also didn't buy um we talk about dice uh i didn't buy battlefield 2024 because i preferred battlefield 3 so that's just a side bit in there but i do think this um activision deal I've put into it because I think that it's a great. Co it was a great, well-valued company prior to the deal, even though I've now bought it thirty percent up. Uh, I still think it's a business that will produce in the future, even though it's a bit slightly a bit more higher valued right now. I, I see this as a win-win for me. I see this as one day my shares are going to become Microsoft, and they're probably going to go for seventy-eight billion. That's the most likely thing. But if not, I've still got Activision at a reasonable price it's not quite margin of safety price that i wanted but it's it's there and it's still a still a reasonable business so that's my aim for it that's my aim I, you can get on to the rest i, I, was gonna <laughs> say, I still think that deal is in trouble because uh, activision is obviously a self-sufficient company it's a very big acquisition bungie actually isn't um isn't self-sufficient uh, it takes about $500 million for them to uh, to develop a game. They don't have that at the moment. They usually require an Activision or a Microsoft or a Sony to help them fund the development of the game. So I think mm. this is a small acquisition of an excellent studio, whereas Microsoft yeah. is a big acquisition of a quite poor studio whose only original idea is let's make another game of the same game we made before. Um, <laughs> so I'm just <laughs> very, very worried about Microsoft buying, well, put it this way, they bought Bethesda, um, Zenimax yeah. Studios, uh, only last year. Yeah. And they made $9 billion for that, and that's a far better studio than anything Activision has ever produced. Um, Zenimax and Bungie are probably two of the biggest and best developers, most storied developers around. Um, I couldn't get too excited about an Activision deal, and I think it's <laughs> a lot of trouble. Still, I, I, think it, I agree. I think it was expensive. Hmm. But Sven Carlin would be proud of you here, Paul. You're, you're kind of limiting your downside, right? I mean, worst case scenario, you get left with a load of Activision shares that you're happy enough having, uh, and just keep it and hold on to it. But yeah, I mean, maybe maybe there's a best case side. I don't know whether it is a better case side, but the alternative is someone takes you out higher than you bought them at. Yeah, well done. Uh, you limited your downside That's... here. Sven would be proud of you. I'm, I'm certainly taking the. 
Uh, it's one of my first risks with my proper portfolio. One of my first calculated risks. That's what I think I'm going with here. And uh, I don't mind holding a bit of Activision at the end of it if it does go if it does go bad. But I tell you what, if that deal does go bad, oh my god, that share price is going to fall. Uh, it's going to be a few years of pain. I think I'm going to be creating a penalty box there for for Activision. But I do assume eventually it will it will pay back and it will churn off some cash. So yeah, it's it is there. Uh, but very interesting. Uh Sony sort of fighting back there. Uh, it felt like it needed to. It did this feel like a bit of a knee jerk sort of punch back? Did they just see a company that they thought, Oh you know what, we've got three billion. We can we can just slam this in. We'll 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 sort the investors out and we'll We'll change the narrative a little bit on our share on this story. It sounds like yes, because of timing issues. But in fairness, as Steve was saying, this looks like quite a well-executed deal. I tend to think of knee-jerk kind of panic moves as people just frantically thinking, got to go buy something. Uh, go go buy that mm-hmm. at whatever the hell it costs. And by the sounds of things, I don't know much about the kind of details on uh, Bungie here and the, the financials underneath it. But the valuation Steve was talking about, I think you I was trying to scribble around 10 times sales or so, Steve. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't sound crazy for that kind of business, just just yeah. kind of at face value here. So, I mean, it feels like it's actually quite a well-executed um, deal. It, I find the timing strangely coincidental, like you do, um, but I, this doesn't have the kind of feel of a panic, we've got to buy this yeah. because someone else will, uh, or maybe Microsoft yeah. will, or something like that. Move. What's not happened here, I don't think, is um, Sony's the deal. The deal has gone through to Activision, and Sony have just rang. You know, they've got to be in the phone book. And <laughs> yeah, we'll have them. Um, that doesn't look like what's happened yet. I would expect <laughs> that Activision kind of approached Sony about four months ago and said, "Look, Microsoft have thinking about buying us. Uh, we still want to stay uh, on yeah. the Sony platform." And at which point, Sony's gone, "Okay." Um, we'll find one else. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll buy we'll, a much we'll better do, developer we'll do the same. for 20 times less price. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely a possibility. Okay, so uh, next up, um, we have... What do we have? Uh, God, what do you want to talk about? Do we just start on earnings and we'll just go through what... what uh, give give our opinions on, on some of the earnings? Because, my God, it's been crazy. Hmm. Go for hmm. it, Steve. Do you want to hear us off? Sure. Uh, so we've been making a list of the stuff that reported earnings this week that we find sort of vaguely interesting. We kicked off Monday morning with L3 Harris, the defence contractor. Uh, their revenues came in at 4.35 billion, which is just under the expectation of 4.49. Their EPS was slightly higher at 3.3 dollars uh, a share over 3.25. So they missed on the top line, beat on the bottom line. Um, so the other one who reported on sort of Monday morning that caught our eye was Otis. Uh, they were a spin-off from, as part of the Raytheon merger, they're a, essentially a lift company, I think, is their primary business. Um, they also missed on revenue. Uh, they come under a 3.57, expected 3.6, so just a, just a little miss. Um, their EPS came over, um, 0.72 um, of a dollar, obviously, 72 cents versus 68 cents expected. Revenue up 12% for a company as big as that was um, pretty good. Um, they guided for a year, um, $3.20, $3.30. Analysts wanted $3.29, so uh, there was a little bit of weakness in the share price on, on Tuesday morning. Um, who's next, Steve? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um didn't really affect the share price too much, to be honest with you. So, interesting. I, I've been keeping an eye on how Otis does since the 
since the split it was supposed to unlock a lot of uh, a lot of uh, value there and otis and carrier were the two that did very well out of it sorry yeah interestingly two um industrials there that both kind of missed on their top line monday um, evening the one i saw reporting was graco uh, which is a company that i like and admire quite a lot that makes kind of industrial equipment mostly for moving liquids that are kind of corrosive or viscous or something like that around uh, they had pretty much the opposite here. They had their highest um, sales, I think, across all their uh, segments ever. Everything's been up, all segments, all regions. Uh, they pulled in 539 and a bit million in revenue. Uh, estimates were 518, so handy beat. Uh, managed 69 cents a share compared to sort of 64. I saw Sven on this, actually, saying that he quite liked this company but thought it was priced a bit high. Uh, they're guiding for growth in the high single digits in 2022. They have a price earnings ratio that's a little bit high to justify that, I think. But um, that was a strong report from them. Um, unlike some of the others who are talking about supply chain issues and so on and so forth, these guys have managed to put in a pretty good quarter. Steve once explained Greco to me in the most interesting way ever. Basically, he said he make the tools that get peanut butter out of vans. <laughs> <laughs> out of um, vans? Oh, like... <laughs> Like forklifts, <laughs> <laughs> a way of getting peanut butter out of the uh, out of the van or the lorry that delivers it. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Uh, Are Alexandria Real Estate? They were probably uh, all three of us really really admire this company. Uh, they beat on um, yep. top and bottom line. Um, they beat top line by twenty uh, about twenty million. I think it was five hundred seventy six. Million revenue on five forty seven and beat on EPS as well. And they also a little little slip in the earnings call that ninety five percent of all the properties they have have a three percent um, rent escalation as well. So expect fairly good results from them. They're a very well run bastard. Bastard. Do I do EPS? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's yeah, just 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 for, just for history on that one. I think we all like it, but I think none of us own it at the at present. Or no. is that no? It's yeah, valuation is our issue on this one, particularly as it's a re air. But oh my god, they've done they're doing so well, aren't they? And it's in such a good sector as well, it's in a freaking Cathy Wood sector as well. So it's um, busted, really missing out on the on the good side of innovation there, I think, with ARE. Ah, oh, that's annoying. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> Do you want me to do EPP? Yes, so EPP, uh, it's a pot, it's a sort of Discord favorite, um, MLP. Uh, gas and pipelines, I guess, is kind of what you would kind of broadly stick them mm-hmm. into. Um, they came in um, 11.37. Is that billion, Steve? I'm not, mm-hmm. I assume it is. 11.37 billion yeah. versus 10.06. So a huge beat on the top line, a small miss on the bottom line by seven cents. And they were blaming disruptions in Europe. Um, but said revenue was up from around seven billion. So it looks like a pretty, uh, a pretty decent time to be an EPP shareholder. Yeah, my fault. I wrote the notes on this and Steve had to read them out. The disruptions in Europe thing isn't what they're blaming. That's their forward-looking guidance. They're thinking that Ah. disrupted Europe stuff with uh, concerns around Russia slowing down natural gas supplies uh, is going to lead to longer-term demand from stuff coming out of the US, which is where their pipes run from. Uh, So they're optimistic based on European disruption in the future. Mm. Uh, yeah, and a similar sort of theme then, ExxonMobil, which is uh, one that I thought was really, really interesting. We might come back to this if we have yeah. time, but that might be one for another 100%. day. Um, they came in a little bit under on revenue, uh, 80, just under $85 billion. Um, analysts looking for just under 89 but they had a strong beat with their earnings at two and a bit as opposed to just short of two. 
management said some really interesting things on this call. So we talked about oil majors and the pressure they're under to move towards kind of net carbon neutral and so on and so forth. They are basically sticking with uh, what the, the dance that brought them here uh, or whatever the relevant saying is here. They're sticking to oil and gas investments. Uh, they've slowed down their kind of aggression on this, uh, as a lot of this sector has. Uh, they're moving their headquarters to Houston. They've launched a $10 billion buyback plan and they are making some kind of slow uh, investments into kind of renewables and clean energy but they're not in a rush on that at all they are very much kind of staying to what they know here and they've um, managed to get their debt down i think to pretty much where it was before the pandemic i, I think we need to give a bit more on exxon here because oh my god so exxon's revenue i believe is about 80 to 85 percent up from the previous year i know that's on comps but this was during a period where Everybody said it was over, right? Everybody last mm -hmm. year was saying everything was over. And I know I got out of Shell uh, at a reasonably good time, but this this oil and gas energy is really coming back at the moment. And it's really showing that... Uh, uh, it, we spoke about Sven quite a bit, and Sven had a big thing on how midterm these oil, these oil companies are coming back, uh, at least for the midterm. But you can say in maybe in 10 years that we know electrification is coming to cars and 70% of all car, 70% uh, of all oil is used in cars. So that is undoubtedly going to have an effect, but the EV adoption hasn't happened as quick as what everyone said. Uh, and it might not happen now uh, until 2025. So you've actually got a lot more time to get in or even make a lot of money on these companies. And I can't understand. I just cannot understand how Exxon, uh, it is Exxon that didn't cut its dividend, right? It's got a 4% dividend right now. And how the hell did it keep it going? How the hell did it keep it going through all of that? We had oil prices at negative 34. And I, I was just like, I'm just amazed. And now they're coming back with a 10 billion, 10 billion share buyback program. Uh, yep. it's, it's incredible. It's, this is incredible. This is totally unexpected to it from, from them. Reducing debt as well, and you just go, "Wow, I'm not, I'm not going to buy it." Don't get me wrong; I'm not here to say go buy Exxon because there's loads more upside. Because there might be, but I think it's still a risk. And I think you know we're thinking as long-term investors, ten years down the line, electrification, blah blah blah. I think it's a, it's not a great investment uh, for the long term. But ah, oh, I'm so surprised. I'm so surprised at this comeback. I'm exactly with you here, Paul. I I was listening to quite a bit on the oil industry. There's a really good uh, episode of the Baron Streetwise uh, podcast, for what it's worth, that I heard on uh, the oil industry. And I would strongly recommend that to anyone that wants to have a listen because they kind of get a good job of going past some of the kind of noise around uh, clean energy and look into its kind of viability and exactly how long it takes for oil to decline here. Um, and I listened to that and then saw this from Exxon and then thought basically what you did, which is I messed this up completely. Um, <laughs> I, I looked at Exxon when oil was negative. I mean, it had a dividend yield of about 8% or so. And people were thinking this is too good. It's going to get cut. And it didn't get cut. And it's not just about the dividend. Yeah. The business is now in decent shape as well. Um, yeah. So current demand for oil is about 35 billion barrels a day. I think I read somewhere, even if EV... Uh, makes it up to sort of 30% penetration by 2030. That offsets about three to four million barrels. Global GDP economy growth is going to push past that anyway. So demand is going to be higher in 2030 than it is now anyway, even if the kind of proportional share of EVs goes up. Um, and picking a good oil uh, major that has a reasonably low cost of production here 
that wasn't hard a year ago. Uh, and all you had to do was put those basic bits together, I think, and you were sat on yeah. what was clearly going to be, I think, a 10-year winner. Maybe not a 30-year winner, but I uh, can't predict much 30 years out. It gets really hard to figure out who's going to be winning what by then. It's crazy, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a, a classic example of fear of the narrative. But also, the business looked like in shit shape at that time anyway. Um, but yeah, it's like fear of the narrative. It was it just, I remember everything was EV, EV, EV. And, and people, if you were stuck with it, and um, I haven't looked at Shell's price recently, but I've been having a lot of questions about it. I imagine it's in the same boat. I, I would like to look at it, but I feel like it's wasted time on my brain now to go and look at Shell and Exxon's earnings because... I'm never going to buy them, I don't think, now, anyway. But, yeah, if you held, well done. Goddamn well done. So I think you're badly advised to go and look at Shell at the moment. All those kind of European super majors that we're thinking about, your Shells, your BPs, your Exxon, they are all coming under uh, green energy pressure. The thing I took from this management call, just to bring us back to where we started again, was that they are yep. not giving in to um, active middle kind of finger green investing thing. Yeah, so... Yep. With Shell and BP and so on uh, holding back their kind of new drilling projects, that just means there's more of it for the people that want it to go and drill it. And Exxon are thinking, yeah. if you're not taking it, we will, uh, or something like that. And it's, you know, uh, yeah. they've they got a different contrarian strategy and there may well be cash in that yeah. strategy. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a lot of a lot of oil to be drilled. All right, so anything else? or He had loads more on Tuesday AM, yes, Sirius XM and UPS um, both reported. Um, They both beat on top and bottom line um, quite considerably. Sirius XM announced a special dividend is uh, about 25 cents, I think uh, think that's right. And uh, new subscribers up 27% year over year. UPS, on the other hand, 49% dividend hike. Um, UPS, Motley Fool today called them, or yesterday called them, a bit of a bellwether for the American economy. So one of those stocks that, you know, you don't have to necessarily own it. But um, having a look at it is a really um, a good idea. And just check out their earnings, and that tells you sort of a little bit about consumer spending because UPS do the vast majority of the delivering. Uh, that moves us on to Tuesday PM, which was a, a big day, Steve. Mm. Yep. So Tuesday PM, here's what I'll do. I'll blaze through some of the ones that we're not going to talk about too much, and then we'll come back to focus on perhaps a couple of them that caught our eye. So AMD did really, really well. Uh, Whatever you think about this company and its uh, position relative to others in the kind of chip space and so on, its results were extremely impressive. Stock went up 11% in pre-market. They were analysts looking for 4.52 billion in revenue. They put up 4.8, looking for, I think, 76 cents in earnings per share, and they came in with 0.92. They're looking for their data centers to lead. The PC sales they're anticipating being fairly flat, and there is a bit of a question as to how much they're locked into uh, capacity for that and having to supply chips for PCs that are probably not going to get made too much. But um, they were were very, very positive, very, very optimistic, very, very impressive in their earnings call. Uh, Well done to everyone that's holding them at the moment. EA Sports missed on both lines. Um, Battlefield 2042, I don't know what that is. Uh, but it's a game that's had some pretty mixed reviews. Uh, they've acknowledged their bugs in that. Bugs. They yeah. intend Sorry. to fix yeah. those bugs. Yeah. Yep, dead on, Paul. Uh, yeah. They sound like Bethesda <laughs> to me, uh, and not in a good way, for what it's worth. Uh, GM missed on top, uh, beat on bottom, is what I've got written here, and guided for about 13 to $15 billion in net income next year. Uh, they're not bringing back their dividend, apparently, according to um, the notes we've got on them here. 
Gilead Sciences, uh, they were an interesting one. They beat on the top, missed on the bottom. They had to pay a big legal settlement with uh, a company called Vive. Um, uh, but strong sales on their two kind of major drugs, which is an HIV one and a COVID treatment, uh, pushing them along reasonably well. So maybe when they kind of clear that uh, IP settlement out the way, things look significantly better. Match.com missed all over the place, uh, I think. Um, weak results from COVID disrupted Asia uh, with not much going on there. Revenue is up per payer, um, 8% compared to the previous year, uh, but there are significantly higher operating costs getting in their way that management cited up 30% on those, which is something of a theme from these. Um, and Starbucks, uh, this was a fairly ugly earnings report uh, from what I saw of it. They beat on the top line, missed on the bottom line, but they're citing supply chain problems and inflation and rising wage costs. They're pushing their prices. I think they pushed them three times this year to try and cover them. They're hiking things faster than the Fed if you're... Uh, extremely enthusiastic about Fed hikes. Uh, foot traffic is back above pre-pandemic levels and same-store sales are up in the US and down in China. So that drive for the Chinese middle class that we're is, hearing about is... Is this famously, because I saw a graph the other day, I think co uh, coffee beans were the greatest inflation of 2021 of 70-something percent. It was the biggest inflation of anything. Uh, I think it might be something to do with that. I mean, uh, two quarters ago, six months ago or so, I was very complimentary about Starbucks for having the foresight to lock in their prices, which meant that they'd been unaffected by quite a bit of droughts in, I think, Brazil, which is where they source their coffee beans from. Um, whether that's now coming through yeah. having that worn off uh, might be the kind of thing they're looking at. I've only got um, inflation and supply chain problems here coming through on that. Yeah, um, just looking at this, De December 21, uh, coffee bean inflation up highest in 10 years, more than any commodity in this year. So, yeah, mm -hmm. that will be why Starbucks just, is, is suffering. Just a little touch Sorry. on Starbucks before we shuffle on. Um, they announced that basically um, they were getting a lot of supply chain problems. They were going to raise all of the prices um, to counter that and then snuck in at the very, very end of the earnings call that they're also giving the CEO a 30% pay rise. I did not see <laughs> that wanker. So, yeah, so you're paying for him. Next. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we've got two left then. I guess we're both a bit more enthusiastic on about here or we find a bit more interesting. Steve, you want to pick one? Yeah, let's start with PayPal because that was quite an interesting report. Um, they had a, a beat on the top line, a very, very slight miss on the bottom line. But there's a pretty weak guidance going forward. Um, they were expecting uh, $1.17 and they only guided for about $0.87. Cents. They're talking about inflationary pressures, weak consumer sentiment, a supply crunch. Uh, and uh, it, it all looked um, not so good. Um, today, PayPal has mm. been stung about 25% the last time I looked. I'm not sure if it actually stayed that far down. Um, I know Paul was very interested in picking up a little bit of PayPal. I don't think he did. I did pick up a little bit of PayPal, uh, mm. but just enough to dip my toe in. Um, Paul, do you have any thoughts on PayPal? So, yeah, I mean, from a quantitative point of view, uh, it looks amazing, doesn't it? It's 25, 4P right now. Growth is like, it, what, what do we say it was, like 60, 60% a year, something like that's earnings, I think, or it might even be cash. Um, I was the same. Uh, uh, well, I, I was put off by that, uh, th those little phrases in the... Um, in the earnings call about how inflation is becoming a problem and poor consumer spending, considering that everyone else everywhere is having great consumer spending. So Visa, 
posting good numbers, Amazon posting good numbers. I mean, I mean, what do you do? I, I pay for everything almost with either my Amex on Amazon or through PayPal. And that, that's how I do it. So pe people aren't thinking the same as me here, clearly, and uh, going through PayPal to do it. So why? What's the problem there? Are people... Are uh, can, uh, businesses trying to guide people away from PayPal because of the charges, because the charges only reflect on the business side. Uh, I, I need to be do. I, I need. I think I need to clear that hurdle in my head first. Why PayPal has gone the? It uh, seems the opposite of every other good payments company out there. I haven't seen Square yet, or it probably hasn't come out. But I haven't got a view on Square at all. Interesting one. It's because you're looking for the wrong thing. It's blocked now. Um, but I'm with you oh, on the inflation yeah. <laughs> thing. Um, inflation is kind of mixed bag for these sort of uh, companies. I mean, the, the Mastercard CEO was saying, and I, this made sense to me, uh, that kind of a bit of inflation is no bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing uh, for these companies. A little bit of inflation, a little yeah. bit of slightly higher prices just means more payment volume going through. Slightly higher prices, but the same amount of stuff. Out of control inflation tends to be bad. Out of control inflation and everybody stops buying anything at all and then your kind of uh, volumes go down a bit. But it's sort of odd with PayPal uh, going that way. I was also interested in their sort of pivot to looking for higher value from their customers rather than uh, the kind of quantity of them. This is a theme that we've talked about a little bit before in terms of uh, Pinterest, a little bit to do with Netflix as well. The idea of thinking, how much am I getting out of these uh, customers rather than just how many of them are there? I was sort of going either way because payments is a numbers game, right? Visa makes its money by taking a tiny bit of everything. And mm. I thought PayPal was going to try and do that as well, but they simply don't have, a, a, they don't appear to have the same network effects as Visa. They have great network effects, don't get me wrong, but it's it's not quite that Visa level yet. And is is that's how I see it. I see, still see the battle. I still see the battle between the card payment companies and what should we call them the uh universe payment companies the kind of payment payment companies that we assume will absorb all the dollars and all the pounds and keep the currency mixed in within their own ecosystem so yeah maybe an ecosystem kind of style payment system which you know you paypal and square are, are designed to to create um maybe visa will try and create something very similar in the future and that was what i was betting on uh Bitcoin might have had a problem, lower volumes from Bitcoin. Potentially, maybe, but, yeah. Uh, revenue yeah, was fine, though. That was the thing. It wasn't revenue yeah. um, that they missed on it. It was, it was weak guidance. So it's interesting yeah. what they're seeing is essentially a poor quarter, and it'll be interesting to see why they think that. Mm. I guess we will find out in about three months' time. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure on one of the podcasts I heard Chris Hilt uh, and um, Dave, what's his face? I can't remember his surname. Um, they were talking about uh spenders feeling very uh, mm. feeling very bad about the the yep. money that's out there and and they say they don't feel like they're spending but when you look at the data oh my god everyone's spending and they're spending more than ever so why uh, that's my only problem there and i think it's an easy problem to solve i think i just need to think about it more why has paypal not got the lion's share or their their fair share uh, guidance wise when everyone else is saying well there's more spending than ever and we're going to get we're going to see a good uh rest of the year sorry that that's just um that was what i saw conscious we've tickled mm -hmm. the hour mark but should we do google, yeah, know, we do google very quickly 
Um, because yeah, we can do Google. So Q4 yeah. um, revenue seventy five point three billion. That was up thirty two percent. Uh, EBIT twenty one point nine billion, up forty percent. Net income twenty point six billion, up thirty six percent. This is just on the quarter, by the way. Operating cash flow just under twenty five billion, up ten percent. Free cash flow eighteen point six billion, up eight percent. So just to translate that into full year earnings for you, uh, revenue of two hundred and fifty seven point six billion, which is surprisingly forty one percent growth. They're a big company. They should only be growing at eight percent. Um, EBIT mm. 78.7 billion. That was up 91%, which is um, quite a lot more than 8%. Uh, net income was 76, uh, 76 billion, uh, up 89%. Again, a bigger number than 8. Operating cash flow is 91.7 billion. That's up 41% bigger number than eight just to let you know and uh, some of the other bits and pieces so services revenue was up 31 percent search revenue was up 36 percent youtube revenue was up 25 percent network revenue was up 26 percent all of those should be eight service ebay 26 billion up 36 percent cloud revenue was up 45 percent uh, cloud ebit was uh, up to 0.9 billion um uh, sorry, minus 0.9 billion so they lost 900 million that but that is coming down and that's quite interesting um Quickly, mm. broad-based and geographical growth for you. Um, USB, uh, sorry, US, US growth was 35 billion, up 30%. EMEA, plus 34. Asia-Pacific, up 28. Other Americas, up 46%. An incredibly strong quarter by an in incredibly strong business, growing up more than 8%. And um, they also announced a 20-for-1 stock split. How do you feel about that, Yeah, Paul? Um. Oh my God, there is so much to freaking cover here. And I, I must admit on my Instagram today, I've been going a bit mental trying to point out all, all the key parts of this. Uh, stock split, what do you think? Absolute bag of shit really, isn't it? But I understand what they're trying to do. Yeah, they, yeah they're jumping on a bandwagon here. And do tell, Paul, because I, I don't it. see what they're trying to do. Well, they're just trying to bring in more investors. They're trying to do a Tesla, aren't they? You know, and I, I, I saw someone's calculation. I saw a on Twitter when they calculated that if, if Tesla did a five for one stock split, it might have been on the Discord actually. Uh, if Tesla did a five for one split and went up to one trillion, then uh, Google's technically doing a twenty for one split, so it should technically go up to something around eight to nine trillion based on the maths uh, based on tesla tesla maths right here and you've got a company that's obviously far uh, far more cash producing than something like tesla so we should see uh google at eight trillion probably within the next two months based on the stock split maths but we know it's not true right we know it's just a bullshit um technique there's so much to talk about what here it, what it, it everything's be, going through my head um, right now what it might be is the death of intel and uh, of ibm in the dow because um google dropping to about a hundred dollars should put it in the dow and hmm. uh if amazon was to do uh, the same thing because uh, that reports tonight on wednesday that would be ibm and intel finally out of the dow i think so i think they're i think they would end up being the lowest Jeez. Do Maybe. people really care about being in the worst possible index in the in history? I don't. I don't. Almost certainly in, not. Yeah, it, I, just, I can't yeah. see what would be in it for Google, but I am sort of struggling to see what's in it for Google anyway, for what it's worth. I mean, for Tesla, it made a lot more sense to me at the time. I don't think they were cash flow positive necessarily. So if you can bull your stock higher and then print some shares to go and uh, make money, 
do it. Uh, absolutely, that's a pretty good money-making grab strategy. That doesn't apply to Google. They've got more cash than they know what to do with. They're buying their shares back. If they push their market cap up, their own buybacks become less effective, don't they? So, I mean, it strikes me that's probably like, not the reason. No, I know. It's 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 more just to bring in... It's, it's to add to the cool factor. I always feel like <laughs> Google is this uh, the uncool kid of the fang, and it's just trying to... Yeah. It's, yeah, I do. I do. I think because it's the Android versus Apple kind of thing, isn't it? Android, you had the iPod came out and then um, the the alternative to that was the Zune, right? And who the fuck had a Zune? Everybody, you got shat on if you had one. I had one of them because I, I'm like that. I'm like, I, I have the Android phone now. It's, it's always this Android versus um apple kind of thing and if we, uh, let's go to scott galloway and we say that if you own the apple stock uh, instead of the google stock people are more likely to sleep with you i think and i think that does uh, translate over to the stock and not just in the products stock. that are... <laughs> i no i genuinely think that that there's something there and and owning owning google at a smaller price probably helps bring on those new investors a little bit just before yeah. we do finish um, google said at the end of the earnings call uh, that they are now going to focus their attention on uh tv and the tv operating systems um which yeah, to me just seems like a brilliant idea if you can feed in um personalized adverts to the person who's sat watching a smart tv uh, that just makes google's advertising business even more impressive uh, there is another company doing yeah. that or trying to do it and it's roku but they will have roku. to tie in a lot of different other services to make that work like the trade desk etc um google has a natural advantage here um be interesting to see how that plays out google isn't renowned for doing these things very well so we'll see uh, it, it, as some as a Google TV owner and user, um, it is buggy, very very buggy at the moment, and it doesn't work well with the Google Homes very well. Uh, but I will point out that YouTube revenue—I uh, have it on my Instagram once again. I've done a graph of YouTube revenue versus Netflix revenue, mm -hmm. and uh, for the past five years, obviously, uh, YouTube has beaten Netflix revenue uh, Sorry, for the past that, five years. And is that Google's YouTube revenue or yours? <laughs> yeah, my YouTube revenue doesn't go very well. Uh, but um, YouTube uh, YouTube revenue has beaten Netflix's revenue. So arguably, I mean, I, I think there could be uh, in, in a split here. So I, I'm thinking very far ahead for a time when they might break up Google. And I do think there is a possible unlock of value here for YouTube because I think people... I think retail and I think probably Wall Street as well do undervalue YouTube as uh, as its own entity within Google and it kind of gets mixed up there. And I feel like there's a value unlock there as well. So if you did unlock that, you can immediately say that it's worth more than Netflix. YouTube is uh, because it, it, it revenues and it also... Um, it has a higher, a far higher margin than what Netflix has because it doesn't create its own content. We create the, we create the damn content. So it's making, it's got its content creation free and it revenues more. And you're just going, well, that's like a, that's like a 500 billion business just sitting there on its own, right? When, and when still Google earns 90% of its revenue from advertising. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent here and this is going over a bit, but I feel like we're not going to do the Google breakdown justice here because it, just on just on um youtube there uh, i mean there's so much about google drive that can come in it's probably second best in google drive uh but 
and it beat on that but in youtube it didn't beat it was the it was one of the only two where it didn't beat estimates on its on its revenue and i was like wow this is incredible and then i wanted to go on to who's going to buy peloton my my uh, <laughs> my my theory working theory i know i'm going all over the place here but my working theory is that maybe they could buy peloton and form a trifecta of uh fitbit versus uh peloton bike versus uh youtube which will be the which i firmly believe will be the next big home fitness suite and then if you combine the three uh fit um fitbit is going to really work into that and peloton are trying to find a way to give you a heart rate monitor which is attached to their peloton service right now i just think there's going to be something there that's that's incredible but again you don't die on the bike like mr big well, my my issue my issue there with Peloton was the branding, and it's again it's the Apple versus Google thing. I don't think Peloton is the sort of company that wants to be associated associated with a nuts and bolts company. Well, and I call it a nuts and bolts company like Google, an Android company. I think it would much prefer to be uh, with the sexy, sleek Apple company. And I see. Do, do you not feel the difference there? Is that not? Is that just personal? opinion that i see or do you guys feel that as well it depends what google wants to do doesn't it google can do whatever it wants to do so it's all about yeah. what google wants to do uh, they have a very uh, aggressive cfo <laughs> who likes to close businesses down that aren't yeah. performing very well so if peloton was a google company at 40 billion peloton would probably have ceased to exist by now it would be in the pile of stadia um probably with <laughs> yeah, a so sword in its back um <laughs> well this is it uh, and that was the final bit i was gonna make i know oh, sorry we're running over a lot here but this is the final bit i was gonna point i was gonna make it's uh, it, it kills businesses right which is one of the big talking points that's been going on out there recently is it buys businesses to kill them because it can afford to uh and it probably doesn't need to do that to peloton because peloton's done it to himself now uh but it, it either buys businesses to kill them or it buys businesses to know that it can give it a shot. And if it wins, then it's okay. But if it, because they've got the cash, they've got so much cash now that they can buy a business and go, well, if it pulls off, it's another YouTube and it earns us another 500 billion in market cap or it just dies and we don't really care because we're just, uh, we're just throwing shit to the wall and hoping it sticks. And it, it, it can afford to do that if you know what i mean it is it's not just randomly doing it but it, it can afford to do that if it wants to and that's an interesting position that what well, i think google is in and that's why i think there's a lot of value there to be unlocked uh and i don't think it's going to bring a dividend anytime soon i think it's just going to share buyback for a long long time yeah um anything else on google <laughs> because I had loads that you could carry on with. But uh, I think we'll leave it there, and I think we'll talk about Google um, at length on other episodes of the Playing FTSE podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, let us know what earnings reports you've been looking at, or if there's any uh, that we missed, uh, because we'd love to talk about them as well and give our opinions on it, because uh, we've noticed that it's been a really busy day, and I think even Thursday and Friday is still to come, and there's still loads of massive companies in there that we, we're trying to look at as well particularly uh, lower spec stocks. I want to see how they're feeling in the world right now. And I want to gauge a feeling of what the fear level is. I want to do my own VIX report here out here at the moment. So let me know what you think. Do you think it's going to leg down the, the markets? Are they going to dip again? Or do you think they're going to 
continue up at this point. And um, as usual, uh, have a great week and we'll see you on the next one.